Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. But today I'm about to sign two executive orders who basically the best way to describe them to undo the damage Trump has done. There's nothing new that we're doing here other than restoring the Affordable Care Act and restoring the Medicaid to the way it was before Trump became president, which by fiat he changed, made more inaccessible, more expensive, and more difficult for people to qualify for either of those two items, the Affordable Care Act or Medicaid. And joining me is Anton Gunn. Thank you again, Anton, former senior advisor to President Barack Obama, uh, who uh, served in his administration as director of external affairs at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Um, So, Anton, first of all, good morning. Who should take advantage of this uh, executive order by President Biden? Uh, Good morning, Joe. Happy to be with you. Let me just tell you very clearly that uh, this pandemic has transformed the American economy in a way that there are a lot of people who have been working. They've been working for the last 10 years, but now they don't have a job. And they have no familiarity with the Affordable Care Act because before the Affordable Care Act, they didn't have any need for it. They They had a job. They were working full time. But because they've lost their jobs, you got 15 million Americans who are uninsured and about, you know, 4 million of them have never gone to the marketplace. They don't know what healthcare.gov is, but they're out here uninsured in the middle of a pandemic and uh-huh. need access to health insurance coverage and probably didn't even know that they could sign up in that small, short window of time that the Trump administration left open. And so this executive order uh, creates a, a brand-new open space time, basically 90 days, for people to find out about a health insurance option that they can go and purchase themselves and uh, get possibly tax credits to afford it. So there are millions of people who continue to lose jobs because of the pandemic, and they just didn't know that they could sign up for the Affordable Care Act. So this is an opportunity to talk about it in a way to say that, listen, we want to make it available to you for you to go buy health insurance coverage to protect yourself and or your family that needs coverage, and you can sign up at healthcare.gov. Now, and let me ask also, um, what about people, because there may be some confusion, let's say that they are COVID positive. Yes. Are they still, are they eligible for the Affordable Care Act? And Without and, a and, doubt. And, and, oh, and, and for example, uh, all right, you answered that quickly, so I got it. Uh, now, for, let's say somebody is... Um, got COVID-19, ended up in the hospital, and they're getting treatment, Um, they're eligible? Yes, they are. So the the bottom line is the the Affordable Care Act made something real in American policy that wasn't real before, that insurance companies cannot discriminate against you because you have pre-existing conditions. So they can't say, oh, because you had COVID back in March or you had COVID – back in November, that we're not going to cover you if you get sick. They have to cover you by law. That's what the law says, is that no insurance company can use the fact that you had a pre-existing condition, or any kind of pre-existing condition, to deny you coverage, deny insurance coverage for you. So that creates a great opportunity for people 
who may have been sick already, who mm-hmm. may have lingering health issues because they had COVID. I talked to a guy just about two months ago who got COVID in May. He was hospitalized for three days. Uh, he's been out of the hospital since then. He says, I'm still having trouble breathing and my lungs ain't right yet. If he has to go back to the doctor, he has to go get treatment or get some other kind of services to deal with the fact that he's got lingering lung issues, having health insurance coverage means that that insurance company going to have to pay for those services when he needs to get treatment. You know, and I'm so, I want, <clears throat> I want to bring this back up. I'm thinking, just as you were talking, uh, grocery store clerks who may be mm-hmm. unionized. Some of these clerks are unionized. But they maybe they lost their job, as you pointed out, for no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they can they can uh, they can get insurance, man, because this this covid I, I I I you know, Anton, I don't think people realize what that medical bill is yeah. going to look like. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. six months, a year down the road. Yeah, they, they really don't, and that's why it's so important that if you don't have health, if you're listening to this show, or right. if you know anybody listening to this show that doesn't have health insurance coverage today, right. on February 15th, they need to go to healthcare.gov, and if, they might, if they're in their own state, like the 14 states run their own marketplace, right. they're probably going to follow suit and do the same thing that Biden's executive order says, which is open the marketplace from February 15th to May 15th. If you know anybody who don't have coverage, they need to go to healthcare.gov and find out what are the insurance options in their state. And if they can sign up for coverage, they should sign up because a year from now, if you get sick, if you get this uh, dreaded virus, and even if you don't be Mm -hmm. hospitalized, but but you got to go back to the doctor multiple times, you're going to have medical bills. But God forbid... If you get hospitalized and, God forbid, have to go into an ICU or be on a ventilator or something for a couple of days until you get yourself better, you don't even understand how much money that medical bill is going to be. And if you don't have health insurance coverage, you're going to be stuck like Chuck having to try to find a way to pay for them high medical bills because it's going to be high. So protect yourself. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. And stay six feet from people, but also get you some health insurance coverage. Now, in 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 terms of um, of of uh, this being an executive order, mm-hmm. should is this where Congress once again should follow up and and codify this and make it law? Yeah. So there's a couple things. Uh, this executive order just really. Undoing everything that the previous Trump administration okay. tried to do. Right, right. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is Joe Biden when he when he proposed this third um, COVID relief package. Yes. he put some things in that COVID relief package that connect to the Affordable Care Act, which is increasing the amount of financial aid that people can get if they buy coverage. Because right now, some people can go and apply for the Affordable Care Act, and let's say insurance would normally be $500 a month, but because of your income, you can get insurance for $100 a month. So you're saving $400 a month because you qualify for some financial aid. What Biden has put into that package is to increase the amount of financial aid. So somebody whose insurance would be $500 a month might be free or it might be as low as $10 a month or something along those lines. And so Congress has to act on that. And if they act on that, then that will help people who are buying coverage in the marketplace 
because we're going to increase or try to increase the subsidies to make it more affordable and accessible and available for people, given the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic and nobody's income is uh, what it is today or what it was two years ago or a year ago before this pandemic. So people are hurting hard. And so the same way you can get a little $600 stimulus check or a $1,200 stimulus check, Joe Biden's team want to make sure you have more access to funding to pay for something that's really important, like health insurance coverage for you and your family. Now, one of the things, Anton Gunn, that uh, the uh, Trump administration did, correct me if I'm wrong, they actually defunded or they cut off funds for marketing. Yes. Uh, you know, people on hearing the what to do on television and, and, and radio. Um is that will we will we starting in February will we be able to advertise or see a marketing campaign to to yes. remind people what you're telling us here on the Madison show? Yes, sir. That's that's the whole point of of undoing the foolishness that was done previously. Is I mean, think about. It. Imagine if you had an amazing product. If you're in business anywhere and you create an amazing product. How are you going to sell it if you don't tell people that you got an amazing product? You can't. So the whole point of the marketing is critical for people to know what's available to them. Then again, millions of people who were working a job, never looking for the marketplace, lost their jobs and have no idea that they could get health insurance coverage. And so we got to tell them about it. So yeah. expect to see radio ads, expect to see commercials, expect to see digital content. I mean, how many people own the Netflix and the YouTubes and the Hulus of the world you're going to start to see some Good. marketing that really speaks to that. Now, I don't know if it will be nationwide or they might target the states where the uninsured rates are the highest, but you will see some more marketing and communications that speak specifically to your options and opportunities to get health insurance coverage if you lost a job and don't have coverage because of what has happened during this pandemic. And, and do you have to wait? Do people have to wait until February 15th, or can they get started now? Or what would so you I advise they do now? Yes, I would advise they go to healthcare.gov right now and go to the website. They'll probably expedite, um, you know, giving you information. Maybe you can preload your application, put some information in, even look at the plans and see what plans might be yeah. available. Yeah. But then fully on February 15, when you can go and complete the application, they're trying to simplify it and make it easier for people to enroll because they know people are hurting. I mean, Joe, February 1st might be fine for you, but February 15th, you could have COVID deep in your body and, and eat one of these variants of some sort, and it could affect you negatively and cost you a lot of money. So that's why it's important to start working now. Don't wait for anything. Go to healthtech.gov and get yourself educated around what your options might be. We'll put all that up on our social media, too. Anton Gunn, thank you, as always. Such very such good information. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Anton. No problem. Thank you. All right. You know, I'm going to get right to Stephen A. Smith because I don't want to keep him from uh, – this is the hardest working man in in in, uh, in sports broadcasting. Last time I had uh, Stephen A. Smith on our show, it was July. It was right after the Washington football team uh, name change. Um, and hey, hey, Stephen, thank thank you for taking the time to be with us. I want to get right to it. You you've got a new uh, weeknight uh, show, Stephen A.'s World. So what yeah. is Stephen A's world? 
Well, uh, you know, it's a half-hour show. It's on ESPN Plus, and for those that, that may not know, obviously years ago, Joe, Netflix took off in the streaming world or what have you, and so Disney uh, got into the action last year, and in its first year, they got 86.5 million new subscribers, but ESPN Plus only had 11.5 million subscribers. And when you and I talked off the air a few months ago, if you recall, I said to you because you were talking to me about why did you give up the radio show, and I said there's some things coming down the pike. Stay tuned. And that's what this was. This was a new show where I would be on streaming. It would be a half-hour show. It's every Monday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday, and Friday. It's posted every day at 530 uh, in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. And essentially, it's just a half-hour sports talk show, but it's not just about sports. What I want to do is instead of using the athletes themselves to come on the show, I also want to ingratiate myself with the world of pop culture, uh, politics, uh, social justice warriors. The list goes on and on and bring people to the show to really highlight and talk about the kind of things that they're doing and what they bring to our society and a lot of the positive things that they're trying to they're trying to put forth. And so for me, you know, it's my segue ultimately in the, into late night television because that's one of the aspirations that I have. Uh, I grew up admiring the Johnny Carsons, the Jay Leno's, the David Letterman's, and of course the Arsenio Hall's, who I did, they, they did a great job. And then now you've got Trevor Noah on Comedy Central. So I see guys like that, and that's definitely a world that I want to get into, and I think this is a segue into that. And the last point that I'd like to make is that, that that's really very, very important to me is that I've always desired to have my hands in the production world as an executive. So with this particular show, not only am I the host, I'm the executive producer, and I started my new production company called Mr. SAS Productions. So my production company is co-producing this show along with ESPN. So those are really important things for me, and that's why the show is so important to me. The, the the one thing that I really uh, appreciate is the fact that it, it, you go deeper than uh, X's and O's, um, and 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 sports talk. Uh, let, let me give. Uh, let me take a few things. Um, like one of the things that we we had a couple of callers who wanted to talk about the the offensive tackle with the the Seahawks, uh, Chad Wheeler. And I've been following. Yeah. I've been following some uh, social media uh, tr- uh, treads, uh, trends, and uh, folks are like, "Wait a minute! There seems to be a distinct difference." And I told them I would ask you about this: uh, a distinct difference between what football clubs do versus what the NFL says should be done with domestic uh, uh, violence. Uh, right. Do you agree with that? Is 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 there is, not, is there a contradiction not, there? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think well, I, I can understand where folks are coming from because up until the Ray Rice situation years ago, the NFL, uh, a lot with along with a lot of other sports leagues um, and society as a whole, turned a blind eye and a deaf ear uh, to the problem of domestic violence. Uh, particularly exacted against women, of course. They put out numbers like, you know, 85% of the victims are 
female, 15% are males or what have you. But the bottom line is when you look at the sports world, by and large, not just players, but coaches, managers, executives, they were guilty of such things, and those things were swept under the rug, and they definitely didn't have any attention brought to it until after Ray Rice got caught on camera getting into it with his girlfriend at a casino. Now, having said that, since that time, the NFL, rather, uh, has put forth its due diligence. And so what you have is a situation where there's a bunch of league uh, teams within the league. When they've encountered these issues, they'll get rid of a person immediately. And even when there's an incident that props up and that person is being investigated, case may be, the National Football League usually lets the court of law do its due diligence, but they collectively bargain with the NFL Players Association that the commissioner would have dominion over such matters, and as a result, he would decide what's going to be done thereafter. In other words, you've got the situations with the law to deal with, but don't think for one second that regardless of what happens with the law, that you don't get to deal with the NFL once all is said and done. So you can get fined. Uh, you could get, I'm sorry, you could get arrested. You could be prosecuted. You could have to pay a fine. You could get engaged in a civil lawsuit or whatever. But still, the NFL is going to say, you're suspended for six games. You're suspended for eight games without pay. You're suspended gotcha. for the season. You're suspended indefinitely at the behest of the commissioner. And so that's how they've addressed those situations. So in this case of Wheeler in Seattle, they let him go um, after video surfaced of his mm -hmm. girlfriend being beat up, bloody nose, scars on her face. Uh, he was he, uh, because she refused. He's a white guy. She was a black woman. Right. She refused to bow down to him. And then he tried to choke her. And then he turned around, according to her, and said, oh, you're still alive. And then Whoa. she got up and ran into the bathroom or some other room and shielded herself until she was safe. And she said that she's the one that came out and said he had a bipolar disorder and he wasn't taking his medication. So she highlighted that, which brought into, into the equation the issue of uh, mental yeah. health. But right. nevertheless, it was still considered egregious. He was let go by the team. And chances are he's not going to be back in the league for a while. Okay. Now, let me bring up another issue. I, I wonder if this is also part of your uh, a, a new show. And, and this goes uh, back to the, uh, the uh, January election in Georgia. Uh, and I'd like to find out what you think about uh, the owner of the WNBA team, uh, short-time senator, what's her name, last name? Uh, Loeffler. Um, I'm just curious, uh, is this the kind of thing your show, your new show might address when you say the, in, the interaction between sports and politics? Well, you know me, Joe. I ain't running from anything. And so as a result of that, of course, that's something that, that, that I'll keep my eyes on. And that subject is certainly not off limits. Matter of fact, it ties directly in to what we're doing. A lot of times when people, people hear stuff from ESPN, they don't want us engaging in politics. Right. They don't understand what ESPN is saying. What ESPN has said is we're a sports network. We don't want are sports pundits going on the air trying to act like they're political aficionados. That's not what our expertise is, and more importantly, that's not what we market and advertise ourselves as being. Now, if there's a situation that comes up that intertwines or intersects the world of sports with social issues, politics, et cetera, et cetera, you don't run from that, which we never have on my shows. We've always addressed those issues. But that's all they've said, and 
I think that there have been times in the past where people have tried to get on me and attack me because I called out the former president of the United States and Donald Trump. And what I would religiously say to my bosses and anybody else who listens, I don't want to hear that nonsense. I don't give a damn. That ain't about politics. I'm not getting into policy the way somebody like a Joe Madison or others would get into because y'all know a hell of a lot more than I do. What I will say is that I have a problem with living in a world and covering an industry where 20, 25, 30-year-old black men are held accountable for bouncing a ball or catching a football more than a 75-year-old man or a 74-year-old man at the time is held accountable as president of the United States. There's a level of hypocrisy that I'm not going to sit idly by and be silent about. That's not about politics. That's about something else. And so they understood that. And they always, they, they never gave me any pushback on that whatsoever because I always highlighted the fact that I'm not talking policy and I'm not trying to come across as a mm-hmm. political aficionado. And as long as you make sure you highlight that distinction, ESPN doesn't have a problem with it. Um, now, let me ask final question and Siku Smith. Um, who just passed yeah. away uh, recently? I just wa- I, I wanted to get your feelings about the kind of sportscaster that uh, he was. Did you know him? What was his yeah. main contribution to the NBA? I, I made the assumption you guys must have known each other. Yes, it's the right assumption. We knew each other. There were others, obviously, who knew him better than me because they worked with him directly. He and I crossed paths on many occasions. A couple of times when he was doing a podcast or a radio show, he interviewed me. Uh, we were always pleasant to one another. I knew him well enough uh, because when you, you know, you're in this industry together, you certainly get to know your contemporaries. He was a class guy. Uh, he was straight up, honest dude, high integrity, a tremendous reporter, and a really, really good person that had a lot of love from a lot of people. A lot of us in the NBA community were incredibly sad. Uh, that he was gone, and I think the David Aldridge's of the world and Marcus Spears and even Commissioner Adam Silver of the NBA all spoke eloquently about his contribution to the industry and the sport itself. He was a really, really good guy, and we're going to miss him. It's sad. Um, he had, uh, you know, he obviously he came down with the coronavirus. That had yeah. something to do with why he passed away. I don't yeah. know all the other particulars, yeah. uh, but yeah. we, all, we, all, we all definitely felt a loss uh, by losing him. And, and and finally, uh, Washington football team, they're making history. Uh, first full-time black woman coach. Uh, what, do they have a, 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 a what, president now? And, they, think, they're the only organization, they're yeah. the only NFL team in history that has had a black president and now a black general manager in Martin Mayhew. And by the way, Ron Rivera is a minority as well. Right. Descent. So right. They've never, there's, not, there's never been an NFL team that has done that. And the first full-time black woman coach. That's right. Yeah, That's you know. Right. So, uh, and and what what do you find? What do you think, uh, Stephen A? What do you think brought this this change about? I, I I just I I you know a lot of my listeners will have a lot of opinions about that. This change, uh, this this approach that they're taking. Is there any reason you think they're doing this, particularly the Washington football team? Well, a combination of their recent troubles with some of the things, with some of the shenanigans yeah. that was taking place within their organization. They're, I mean, we ain't, we ain't we ain't blind, deaf, and dumb. We understand that part. Yeah. Um, there's no 
about it. But in the same breath, um, I think the combination of that along with the social justice issues that have really, really percolated, and more and just as important, the uh, previous administration that was in the White House and the fact that you were right there witnessing and seeing some of the stuff that was going on, the, the, uh, the organization itself clearly felt a need uh, to take a turn. And I think one of the things that can't be ignored is something that I revealed to you on your show many years ago, a couple of years ago, actually, that, that I don't think anybody else had mentioned. I told you years ago, uh, before he ever elected to run for president, Donald Trump wanted to, run, wanted to own yes, the Buffalo did. Bills yes. of the NFL. Yeah. And he yeah. literally called me on the phone for an interview and said to me, said to me that if these guys screw me over, and don't allow me to become an owner in the league, I'm going to get them back and run for president. Those were his exact words. That's what he said. And so ultimately it ended up happening. And I, I bring that up just to point out that even though he has some friends within the NFL community, he obviously has his shares of critics uh, who want nothing to do with him that are associated with the NFL as well. And so any opportunity that you have, to do something that shines a brighter light on the NFL product that appears to be the antithesis of anything that he would throw out there. It's certainly something that crossed their mind. I'm not saying it was the primary focus. Uh, it was the primary rationale or reasoning behind what was done. But while all of that stuff was going on over the last few years, clearly you had some people with that kind of stuff on their mind. And I think uh, the Washington football franchise clearly was one of them, even though Daniel Snyder does have his issues. Yeah. Well, I, uh, hey, that's why it is Stephen A's world. Uh, once again, give us the details. Uh, what time? Uh, out, uh, go ahead, please. Uh, uh, go Steve, ahead. Steve, Stephen A's world on ESPN Plus uh, uh, every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'm the host, executive producer in my production company, Miss SAS Productions is co-producing it in a concert with ESPN. And I got a lot more things coming down the pike, so stay tuned. Okay, keep us posted. Uh, it, 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 this is, I always like this exchange we have, and, um, and, I, and I so appreciate you taking time. And drive safely and stay safe. Thank you, Stephen A. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that, and stay tuned, because I got some HBCU stuff that you're going to want to know about in the weeks to come. Good. I'll be, li- I'll be waiting for it. Appreciate it. All right, uh, all right Thank gang. Thank you. You can listen to yours truly, Madison the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.